Hello, everyone, and welcome to Metalography Podcast. I'm your host, Willie the Wilster. In this episode, we'll be looking at Iron Maiden's The Number of the Beast. So Iron Maiden were pioneers of the new wave of British heavy metal movement. And I've been a fan of them after listening to some of their songs on the radio. And I, I can't remember if Run to the Hills or The Trooper may have been one of the first Iron Maiden songs I ever heard. Or maybe even one of the videos I saw on Headbangers Ball. When I was really getting into heavy metal, Iron Maiden was a band that I knew I had a lot of catching up to do. I had heard of Iron Maiden, but I just was not very familiar uh, with maybe their music or their albums, to say the least. I knew they had their mascot, Eddie, who was kind of their, like I said, their mascot, this this like skeleton guy who had hair and they would always kind of have him in different costumes based on whatever maybe the album's theme was or in the videos. I know he was a huge stage prop for a lot of their big concerts that they did um they did have a very successful run of albums throughout the 80s that i knew i missed out on uh, due to me not really getting into metal until later so to me iron maiden was just i knew them as a heavy metal band and i wanted to check them out more and to me because i was so new and young in heavy metal I always thought Bruce Dickinson was the original singer, and it was not until I really listened to more of Maiden's older stuff that I learned that that was not true. The Number of the Beast was actually the first album that Bruce sang on. And for me, Bruce will always kind of be the singer for Iron Maiden. Now, I know a ton of people will argue differently and say that Paul Diano will always be the singer for Iron Maiden. And he definitely had his own style when he was with Iron Maiden. But most of Iron Maiden's success really came after Bruce joined the band. They Their albums sold a lot more. They had these grand stages that they put on when they tour. And, I mean, these these sold out arenas that were huge. Uh, just the presentation of these tours was was amazing. I mean, you weren't just going to go see a heavy metal band. You were going to see a heavy metal band and a show like a theater production. And Iron Maiden knew how to do that and capture that audience's attention and and really give the fans or anyone who came to their show, maybe you were even a fan, but you heard of a band that put on these really great elaborate shows. Iron Maiden knew how to do that. And their success, in my opinion, was partially due to Bruce Dickinson. His vocal range was way different than what Paul Diano could do. And uh, the bassist, Steve Harris, who is, pretty much like the founder of Iron Maiden felt that Bruce could do the type of vocals and the type of changes that he was looking to do with Iron Maiden that you really kind of start to hear a little bit on this album. There are, there are a few songs on this album where you can kind of tell that Iron Maiden was maybe either experimenting with some, some sounds or maybe some type of movements 
that, in my opinion, later on would become signature to Iron Maiden and what I would be familiar when I would hear Iron Maiden. It's like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds like an Iron Maiden song because that's just the way they sound. So yeah, Bruce Dickinson definitely had the impact for me for Iron Maiden. I I prefer Bruce Dickinson over Paul Diano. And that's my opinion. I know, like I said, there's others that really believe that Paul will always be the lead singer for Iron Maiden. And yes, I do like the stuff he did with Iron Maiden at that time. The two early albums that Iron Maiden did were great. And I love some of the songs off those albums because they had their own uh, sound that was really appealing to me. And, you know, recent events Queen Elizabeth II passing away. I did a little research to see, you know, did Iron Maiden have any kind of interaction with the Queen? And there is a really cool YouTube video of Bruce Dickinson talking about the first time he met the Queen. A uh, pretty funny story. Of course, you know, he's he's in this room with all these other people and he's kind of a little bit out of place because he's the lead singer of a heavy metal band. And, you know, most people may not know what heavy metal is. So he tells the story of how he introduced himself to the queen and everything. Uh, go on YouTube. Look it up. It's uh, pretty funny. Pretty fun to watch. I think it's like three, five minutes long. So it's a really short clip uh, of him talking about how he met the queen for the first time. OK, so according to a chat I had with Abraham Lincoln on the Internet, this album came out on March 22nd, 1982, and this was the band's third studio album and the first album to feature the new vocalist Bruce Dickinson, as I mentioned earlier. It was also the last album to feature their drummer Clive Burr. The album was a huge success, to say the least. Rolling Stone magazine ranked it number four on their 2017 list of 100 greatest metal albums of all time. The album peaked at number 33 on the Billboard 200 charts. The New York Times reported that by the end of December 2021, almost 20 million copies of this album have sold worldwide. And since they are from the UK, it was their first album to top the UK charts, entering in at number one. The album did attract some controversy, though, specifically in the U.S. due to the lyrics of the title track and the cover art, which depicted Eddie, who's the band's mascot, controlling Satan like a puppet. The songs on this album are Invaders, Children of the Damned, The Prisoner, 22 Acacia Avenue, The Number of the Beast, Run to the Hills, Gangland, Hallowed Be Thy Name. Invaders is not a bad first song. One thing I always noticed with Iron Maiden is Steve Harris's bass playing. I think he is a great bass player and the sound he has been able to develop over the years just always stands out to me. Invaders is no different. You hear a little bit of a different sound than Iron Maiden's two previous albums. And Bruce's vocals are a major change from Paul's and you notice it right away. I know most fans probably noticed the difference right away when the album came out. And Invaders is a fast-paced song that has a simple but catchy hook to it. What's interesting is the second track. Iron Maiden decided to slow it down quickly with a ballad style of Children of the Damned. The guitar solo at the beginning is really beautiful and dark. 
the chorus picks up a little more and the bridge has a nice rolling thunder drum track to it. The solos by Adrian Smith and Dave Murray are the metal type solos that you, you typically would hear. There's lots of tapping and hammering that's very iconic in a rock or a heavy metal song or, or in heavy metal music. Next, we get The Prisoner, which starts out with a really good driving riff that keeps it going throughout the verse and pre-chorus. But to me, the chorus just sounds a bit off. It has a kind of pop feel to me that causes the driving riff to get a little lost in Bruce's vocals. But when the verses hit, the main riff is a favorite of mine. The bridge and solo have a more epic feel to them, and the bass line gives a sound that will definitely be more familiar in the albums to come. Like I mentioned earlier, you kind of hear a little bit of the changes that Iron Maiden is experimenting with or are kind of going in that direction. And I think The Prisoner is the first song we kind of get that feel or get that kind of peek behind the curtain as to what they're thinking of doing. When I listen to The Prisoner, it, it sometimes I forget that this was off of the Number of the Beast album when they were kind of starting that change because it just sounds to me like an old, just classic Iron Maiden song. 22 Acacia Avenue is an epic sounding song with a couple of time changes between the main verses and bridge. To me, this song has the classic Iron Maiden sound as well that I first heard when I was uh, getting familiar with them. Seeing that this song is on the first album Bruce sang on, I can see the different direction the band wanted to go in, and it would prove to be very successful for them. Again, that change, you kind of hear it again in this song, that they're doing something different that the last two albums just or excuse me, the, their first two albums just didn't quite have. I know I had mentioned earlier that Steve Harris wanted to experiment and kind of change what he was writing and maybe have what he's called a more complex writing style. And you can kind of see that that's what they were working on. Now we are at the title track, The Number of the Beast. It starts out with a reading from a verse from the book of Revelations about the beast and what his number is. Then the fun guitar intro. So I always loved how the guitars began the song with the vocals. And then we hear one of Bruce's famous screams that he's known for. And me personally, I really liked Bruce's screams. Uh, there's several songs that Iron Maiden does where Bruce just kind of has that haunting high scream that it doesn't sound one it doesn't sound out of place with the music and two it doesn't sound like he is hitting an octave or anything that's out of range and it, it hurts the ears or you can tell it just didn't fit he could nail the pitch on those screams that just added a very haunting layer to the song I loved them. I know there's a few people that one of the biggest hangups they had about Bruce was his screaming and the screams he would do there. Like, I just can't get past that. He screams and I don't like the screams he does. It just it, it annoys me. I liked them and I thought they were amazing. And to me, that's one of the things I always think of when I hear Iron Maiden is I hear Bruce Dickinson doing one of his iconic screams. 
so kind of going back to this track, The Number of the Beast, uh, then the whole band comes in and this song really shows what Iron Maiden is about. The song is fast and the lyrics are dark. The video for this song uh, kept the same themes. It was gritty and dark and even had scenes from some old horror movies and shows kind of scattered throughout the video. The song does not lose its pace either. All five minutes of the song just drive. Even after all these years and with countless other songs I've heard, this one stands in that hall of headbanging songs to me that I turn to when I want to just listen to some good old school heavy metal. And seriously, check out the video for the song. It, it's pretty wild. And it's not bad for the time period that it came out in. The video, you know, came out in the early 80s. So it, you know, it looks a little aged or a little dated. But for the time and what they had probably for production and money, it, it's not bad. It's it's really good. Okay, so now we come to Run to the Hills. We all know that iconic drum solo that song that this song starts out with. And I'm pretty sure if there's any drummers out there who are listening, uh, this was probably one of the first drum solos maybe you'd learn to play and probably even used it for a sound check. I know if I was a drummer, I would most likely have learned it and would have used it too. Uh, but seriously, that drum intro, as simple as it is, brought on something big through the passing of time. I would almost venture to guess that when they were doing it, I don't think they knew the impact that little drum solo would have had, not only in heavy metal music, but even in just like music culture in general. Almost anyone who hears that little drum solo knows exactly, hey, that's from Iron Maiden. Maybe they can't guess the song, but they know that that was Iron Maiden's little drum beat that they had at the beginning of that song. And then we get the awesome guitar medley that, again, probably most guitarists learned this lick and used it whenever they could. This continues through the first verse, and then it switches to another classic Iron Maiden driving riff. The bass and drum parts of this song have kind of a galloping feel, and it fits with this song in the lyrics and the themes of the song. You can almost picture horses running across prairie lands of the Old West. Now, I do remember this video being played on Headbangers Ball, and I remember how it had some footage of an old Western film, and for some reason, I always remembered the scene it shows of a Native American riding on a bicycle for some reason, and I thought, why is he on a bicycle? Did they even have bicycles back then? And I mean, I was young, so of course it was very new for me. I didn't know what I was really watching i just was like oh headbangers ball and iron man's on this is awesome but i have not done much research on the history of this video so if you know of any cool facts about it please message me and let me know i'd love to hear any interesting facts you may have about this video for run to the hills or maybe that old western uh footage that they had in with the video also, for any drummers out there, let me know if you learned that drum intro and used it for soundcheck or just to drive your family and friends crazy by playing it over and over and over. Uh, email me. I'd love to hear from you.
The song Gangland sounds a bit different and almost seems more fitting from something they would have written in their previous albums. It could very well have been maybe a track they had written for for Killers and it just got kind of put on the cutting room floor and they decided to add it to this album to kind of fill up space. Uh, it just it just seems a little off for me. It doesn't quite fit, especially um, kind of starting with The Prisoner and going into 22 Acacia Avenue and then into Number of the Beast and Run to the Hills where you're starting to hear that new Iron Maiden sound. You get into Gangland and it's like, oh, just kind of switches. Yeah, the verse drives a bit, but to me it just seems to lack a bit also. This may be one of the weaker songs on the album in my opinion, but again, that's just my opinion. It's not a horrible song, and I don't always skip it when it comes on, but it just doesn't hit me quite like some of the other songs. The last track of the album is Hallowed Be Thy Name, and this song, th there's so much to talk about with this song, but to me, this song right here is probably one of my favorite Iron Maiden songs of all time. The beginning has this drum and bell ringing with a haunting melody that comes from the guitar to help paint a picture that Bruce is telling with the lyrics. For those maybe not too familiar with this song, the lyrics are about someone who is about to be put to death and spends the last few hours reflecting on his life. Uh, the themes of this song really show how Iron Maiden started to focus on a more fantasy and epic ideas. And this will really show in later albums. Uh, there's several albums that I'm sure most of y'all are familiar with that really kind of encapsulate that fantasy and maybe that mytho mythological ideas. The melodic hook that the guitars play is amazing to me and almost has a classical sound to them. And it sounds and feels like a pendulum just swinging since time is running out for the character of the song. After the second verse, there is a breakdown that is a little new for the band at the time, but with their experimenting with it and making it sound so good, it becomes a staple in a lot of their future songs. I really like the guitars playing this repetitive melody before the bridge and solos. Again, it sounds kind of like a clock or that time is ticking closer to the end. It just, you just hear it. It's repetitive. Just these uh, three or four little notes that are repetitive going back and forth. It just has that time clicking, clock ticking. You know something's running out sound like your time is almost up. And the last half of the song goes through some melodic changes that just sound great. It's very big and epic sounding. The bass and drum provide a fast driving tempo. And the guitars lay some epic sounding melodies as well. And then the final words of the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallowed be thy name. I always felt that the lyrics here were showing how the guy being put to death saw this as just another step in the big realm of things. He is ready to go and just wants to get it over with. And then again, the guitars play that melody that sounds like time is ticking away and leads up to a big rolling finish by the band. So some of my all-time favorite songs also may have a line or some words that just really stick to me for some reason. And this is one of those songs. I always love the line, because at 5 o'clock, they take me to the gallows pole. 
And I think to me, that line really sums up the story and the theme of the song and even the themes of future Iron Maiden songs and even albums. This song has also been covered by other heavy metal bands. Some of my favorite versions are by Machine Head and Cradle of Filth. They also did a great cover of it. And it also showed their own style to it that had almost this like horror element to the song. Check those out and let me know what you think about them. So my final review of this album is that it's a good album. I have to say this is not my favorite Iron Maiden album. While I do like most of the songs on it, only three really stand out to me and are ones from this album I enjoy going back and listening to. So my question is then, you know, I mentioned earlier that uh, 2017 Rolling Stone ranked it as number four of the best heavy metal albums. So why has this album ranked so high on best albums list? That's a good question. At the time this album came out, heavy metal was going through some changes. It had been well over 10 years since the debut of Black Sabbath, and metal was heading towards something new and big, and this album was kind of that nexus point. It was a beginning for Iron Maiden as well. As I mentioned earlier, Bruce Dickinson was the voice of Iron Maiden during the biggest moments in the band's history and during their biggest tours. I don't think the band would have had as big of an impact had they not had Bruce. That's my opinion. And based on how this album has done over time, most everyone would agree also. Hallowed Be Thy Name is hands down my favorite song off this album. Music-wise and lyric-wise, it is a great song that has so much depth to look at and analyze. Check this album out. And if you've not heard it in a while, listen to it again. See if it still holds up like you remember. Or if it's different for you now based on where you are in your life. Also, if you got to see Iron Maiden in the 80s when they were doing those big tours, message me. Let me know what you thought about that or what that experience was like for you. That is something that I missed out on. And as a heavy metal fan, I almost feel like I got gypped. But hey... You know, I I was born at a time when Iron Maiden was already peaking at their at their biggest shows. So I don't think uh, a three year old me would have really fit in at an Iron Maiden concert, although I have been to concerts and I've seen parents taking their kids to it. And I love it. I definitely have some stories to tell of shows like that that I will definitely cover and more uh, appropriate episodes. Thanks for joining me. Please let me know what you thought of this album by emailing me at metalographypodcast at gmail.com. Also, let me know of any albums you would like for me to review. Please like and subscribe and follow this podcast and leave a review. This helps to grow the show and make it better. Follow us on Twitter at MetalographyPod and like us on Facebook and Instagram at MetalographyPodcast. All the links are in the description below. Thanks again for listening and for your support. And remember... Keep it loud and keep it metal. Be blessed, everyone.